you have your Bibles, find uh, Matthew 21, and it's okay if you didn't bring your Bible, you can look on page 8 in um, tonight's book, Litton, ha ha ha, and uh, you'll find the scripture there. Um, in some ways, I feel like there is not a better passage than Matthew 21 for encapsulating both what goes on in our society here in the South and how we often respond to it. Think about it. It's this story, and it kind of seems like a crazy story, that um, Jesus tells his guys to go get a donkey nobody's ever ridden before. That means it's not broken. And he's got command of all creation. And uh, so he's got these sort of polite, uh, well-mannered, for the most part, followers doing whatever he says. And then he's got these curious onlookers, some of them who are celebrating what they think he is, and some of them are questioning who he is. And if in the South there was ever a picture of the church culture, this is it. You have a ton of kind of quiet people living quiet lives where they go around really trying to obey what the master's telling them to do. And then you got some people just jumping up and down and they ain't real sure what they're celebrating. They just know it's a celebration going on, so they're doing something. And then you got some people who are responding to all the hubbub and going, who is this? And if there was ever a passage to sort of make us think about how we how we live as a church culture here in our our community and here in our society, I think this is the one. And it's Palm Sunday, so it's the perfect one. If you have your Bibles, let me begin reading in Matthew chapter 21, beginning at verse number 1. Now when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethpage to the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied uh, and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord needs them, and he will send them at once. This took place to, to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet, saying, say to, say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put on them their cloaks, and he sat on them. Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went before him and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up, by, stirred up saying, Who is this? And the crowd said, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. Wow, I love this passage. It helps us today as we celebrate Jesus' entrance into Jerusalem, himself being humble as he rides on the foal of a donkey. Today marks the beginning of, we could say, the celebration of the new exodus, the new coming out of slavery. Rather than leaving the land of Egypt, people who trust in Jesus leave the bondage of sin. And like a warrior preparing to conquer death, Jesus enters the city where he'll be celebrated briefly, he'll be discarded all week long, and he'll finally be beaten, rejected, mocked, and crucified with very few understanding that this was all the prescription for the ugliness of sin. But don't forget, 
while hardly anyone understood why Jesus was coming into the city, he had already set his face on this task. We would say many chapters ago. If you back all the way up into Matthew chapter 9, he says he set his face like a flint on Jerusalem. In other words, most people didn't understand what was going on, but he knew exactly what he was headed toward. He knew what he was headed toward. He knew why he was headed toward it. He knew the ugliness of what would happen, but he knew the glory that the Father would receive. He knew the treasure it would be in redeeming mankind. People didn't understand what Jesus was doing, but that didn't stop Jesus from doing it. Somebody ought to say amen. When you walk with Jesus, when you really walk with Jesus, church, a lot of times people won't get why you're doing what you're doing, but when you walk with Jesus, you know why you do what you do. Why struggle to meet here on the internet? Why come in this awkward place to meet in a parking lot? Why go through all this trouble just to hear somebody sing and hear somebody shout over a microphone? Because you know that this one that has called you, you know he's still calling you. He's still dealing with you. And there's nobody like the people of God who love to obey and celebrate the one that's won their heart. Jesus comes into the city and we see him truly being humble. He's the son of God. He is fully God and fully man. But what's he do? He enters in not on a Ferrari, which would have been cool, Michael Chuck. Michael's riding his, his cool Corvette. Uh, he's talking about who was in Magnum P.I. earlier, right? Michael owed that Ferrari. It'd have been cool if he'd come in on a Ferrari. Oh, my money, he'd come in on like a F550, right? A big truck. Or if he would have come in at the head of several battalions or legions of soldiers. But to fulfill the prophecy, they said, our king will come to us humble. You, you know what happens a few nights later? He, he, he washes these guys' feet. He comes into town on a baby donkey. And some of the last ministry he does on earth is to wash feet. That's my king. That's my king. He's the one who's able to conquer, but who comes humbly amongst his people to serve. That's my king. So he comes and he enters into this town and he comes in order to lay down his life. I have three short points for us to ponder as we look at this passage and as we look at our lives. I want us to look at this and I want us to see that there's basically two crowds in a group. Two big crowds and one small group. I think I've been in both crowds and I want to be honest and tell you I think I'm now in that group. First off, we see there's a crowd that knows their need. I mean, you can poke fun at these people, you can say what you want, but when they're crying, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest, they are yelling, save us now. This is a culture of people who says, we have a need, we have a need, we have a need. And I think our culture is crying out for that now. It sounds funny, but I, whoever thought we'd be at a place where people would be upset about not having toilet paper, Right? But people sense that there's something that makes their life normal and it's not there. Whoever thought you'd walk in the grocery store and you'd chastise people for buying a whole cartload of something that you can turn on your faucet and get. But people have some sense of a need and they're, and they're trying to go out and fulfill it. It's no different in their day. They were under the oppression of a foreign government. They were bearing the weight of a difficult religious system. Their entire culture was, t was told them they were a destined people. And they were waiting on God to come through and fulfill their deepest needs. I don't chastise these people. Some, some people probably thought this was some kind of play unfolding before him. 
hey, here's someone who's read the prophecy and they're showing us what it'll look like finally when our king enters the city. This is some kind of metaphor. I get it. Here's this guy riding in the town on a donkey. And they started shouting out, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. No doubt some of them said, man, maybe this really is the thing. Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. Surely a few knew exactly that it was the thing. And they were shouting out, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. They knew they had a need. Do you know what it's like to know you have a need? To know you have a deep spiritual thirst and to have struggled through finding a place that will satisfy that thirst. Maybe you've been like me. You've drank every sort of drink your culture can offer you trying to find that thing. You drank the cup of success or the pursuit of it. You drank the cup of accomplishment or the pursuit of it. Some of us have drank the cup of popularity or the pursuit of it. Some of us have drank the cup of comfort or the pursuit of it. Some of us have drank the cup of, you know, the ideal for us would be physical fitness or the pursuit of it. We know we have a need. There is a crowd of people who know they have a need and their eyes are ever on the horizon saying, when will something meet my need? As the Savior came into town that day, I don't find it strange that there was a crowd that knew their need and there was a crowd saying, save us, save us. Save us. There's also another crowd, and I call this the crowd that has a question. If you look further on in the passage, it tells us that in, uh, in verse number 10, excuse me, uh, 10 and 11, it says, uh, when the city was stirred up, when there was all this noise about Jesus, other people began to say, who is this? And then they got an answer. It's, it's the prophet, Jesus. Of, of Nazareth, of Galilee rather, excuse me, Nazareth of Galilee. They said, what is everybody talking about? So the equivalent for me lately, okay, and I got to confess, it's okay to laugh at me on this. I, I, uh, I'm one of those guys who does more posting on social media than I do looking at social media. And so I noticed everybody and their mama was talking about the Tiger King. Tiger King, Tiger King, Tiger King. And I was dumb enough to ask somebody, what is the Tiger King? And apparently some flamboyant guy who owned a couple, few hundred tigers in Oklahoma. And uh, like I was totally oblivious. So I was like, who's the Tiger King? And uh, somebody's like, go find, do you have Netflix? Yeah, man, go find it on Netflix. The moment I played the trailer, I went, uh-uh, your man is not watching the Tiger King. I just can't do it. Now, maybe you've watched it, maybe you liked it, and I know, I know, I know he won't mind me saying, John said he watched about a few minutes of it, and he went, nope, nope, can't do it, not for me, right? I'm a documentary guy, but it's got to make sense to me, you know what I mean? So imagine when Jesus gets people stirred up, and people say, what's got you so stirred up? And your answer is Jesus. Imagine then if someone tastes Jesus through your experience, what do they get? What do they get? <laughs> I like that. I don't even know where that come from. Someone said, Yahoo, that's what I get. It's Judah. I can hear now. Look at this scene. They said, what is all this commotion? They said, it's that guy. I think one of the best things we can do in this world is when our faith has caused people to say, what's made you behave this way? Don't start explaining you. Start pointing to Jesus. Because there's a crowd 
that's got questions. And they have needs too. Some people don't know it yet. They have needs. There's a crowd that has questions. And finally, there's a group. There's a group that obeys the Savior. I love this little band of guys. I mean, doesn't it sound a little crazy? You're going along, you're hanging out with Jesus, and he goes, hey, check it. There's this lady donkey. She's going to be hanging out over here. And she's got her kid with her. I want you to go get them and bring them over here. Because I'm going to take that lady donkey's kid and ride it into town. It's going to be great. Nobody's like, that's crazy, Jesus. Let's go get a chariot. Let's get some big fat horses. They just go like, okay, let's do it. That's the group I want to be in. You don't know why I want to be in that group? Because that's the group that has already taken their questions to God. That's the group that has taken their need to God. That's the group that has found the answer that meets their deepest needs, and that answer is Jesus. And so they are walking with him. There's a, there's a, there's a whole crowd that senses their needs. There's a whole crowd that is full of questions. But it's usually a small group. His lives are dictated by obedience. And that group is mostly defined by people who have taken their questions and they've taken their need to God and they have found that God sent Jesus to meet their need. As we endeavor to go into Holy Week, I pray that's what we're reminded of. We're reminded that the answer to our greatest questions is already Jesus. The solution for our deepest needs is already Jesus. And I pray we're reminded of how he answered each one of us individually, how he met us where we were. He, he satisfied our needs. He answers our questions. And now he wants to lead us in an eternal procession of the happily conquered. That's what Palm Sunday reminds me of, that the king has come. In closing, let me say this. The Bible actually says that the city was shaken. The whole city was stirred up. In some translations, it says shaken. And what's interesting, if you were to look that up and do a word study on it, it's the, it's the same Greek word they use following the resurrection when they were shaken, when the city was shaken as like an earthquake. Everything is set above. Everything is above because Jesus has entered the town and people are celebrating and people are questioning and people are obeying. The city is shaken. What I'm praying is that since we're already shaken, since COVID-19 has stirred up the whole world, since we're already shaken, I'm praying that many people will start questioning and many people will find their needs answered in Jesus. I'm praying the church will show up and stand up and also quietly obey the master for there is no better remedy for the trouble even in our own soul. There's no better remedy for the trouble in our own soul than just to quietly keep following Jesus. Our message from last week was press on. Keep on going. That's our message this week too. You who have found your needs met in Jesus, you keep quietly obeying him and watch God use you to minister to others. I have a twofold invitation today. First of all, to the church, and most importantly, to our church, to you redeemed believers. This week, during Holy Week, I invite you to take a deep dive into the scriptures. We're sending home tons of stuff for you to do that with. 
We have some streaming services. Just, just stay tuned. I'm not going to review all that right now. Most of us are staying tuned through, through social media and text. Stay tuned. But take a deep dive personally. Maybe you've never done this before, but do some devotions with your family. Pray together. Read scriptures together. If you've been doing it, don't let up. If you haven't done it, start. Our lives are slowed down. There's less things to take us away from the home. There's more things commanding us to be at home. I have an invitation to you to come closer to the cross together. Remember the king that has conquered your soul together. And I have a secondary invitation. Maybe you're around the periphery of believers a lot and you say, man, what has got them acting like this? Ask. In the minimum, ask. Share your testimonies. Share your testimonies with, with the people who are asking you. And, and perhaps what you'll discover is that God is pursuing you. He's pursuing someone in your family. He's pursuing one of your coworkers. He's pursuing a neighbor or a friend. And the way it's showing up is they're unsettled and their needs aren't being met and they have questions and God has divinely stationed you to answer. If you got questions, ask. Don't be afraid. What a wonderful time to talk. We believers are open to talk and we should be open to say, I don't know, I'll get back to you, let's pray about that. We should be open. If you got questions, ask. If you got Jesus, share. Let's pray. Father, thank you for a chance to look at this awesome passage and to be reminded of the simple truth that everybody has needs and sometimes we're all sort of shouting about it together. What an awesome opportunity to be reminded that a lot of times when the needy people start crying out, it makes other people ask questions. And thank you for those who quietly, obediently follow the Master. Father, I pray that East Rock Community Church be full of those people who go about obeying the Master even when it seems he's making strange requests. May our norm become that we walk with Jesus and do what he says. Now, Father, as we sing and sing together, whether in our living rooms or in this parking lot or up on this bank, pray, God, that you use this music to cause us to reflect, to draw closer to one another, and to draw close to you. In Christ I pray, amen.